here. Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 33-5 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernu. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. I swear, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> oh no, I could have just, I could have just lost it. And I've got COVID. <laughs> Daryl um, posted sometimes, oh my God, he actually said that is his name. So he didn't say anything silly this time around. Like Every I, once in a while, I'll say my name. Every once in a while, every once in a while. Um, People got to know my first name. That's it's on the thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, Purnell is sick, so he is in his house, and I'm in my house. And in between our houses is is a moat, and then fill the moat with um, copies Internet. of Shaq Fu. <laughs> oh man! So you fall that in, you sounds- got. If you fall in, you got to play Shaq Fu. <laughs> that is true. Just or just drink all the just drink all the Shaq Fu till you can climb back out. <laughs> drink the Shaq Fu. It's a liquid. It's a liquid Fu. Liquid shack food. It's disgusting. <laughs> Pureed oh, and liquefied. Um, I want to thank everyone who hung out with us last week um, on our Patreon episode first before we get started. Um, it was a really fun episode, and it's always cool when there's a lot of participation and, and people you know, handing in track suggestions and stuff like that. So it was a good time. So we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I should also say that we have um, some changes to our T-shirts on our website that we had to we didn't have to but just to be safe i took down a whole bunch of shirts already so if you're looking for a shirt for with a falcom logo or um or konami logo that kind of stuff i took it all down because we've had some other things happen and i don't want that biting me in my butt so that's taken down so i apologize for that if you want something special made done you, you can email us and i we can talk just you and me but um as a public website shop thing it's taken offline so it's a matter of yeah, time for that one <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate like it throws i mean i get it but at the same time i like i don't get it too so it's like yeah, yeah but it is what it is but before we travel too far i did make a promise in the discord and i need to i should probably resolve that Uh-oh. because apparently it's despite the fact that on last week's episode i even said well, let's just play this track and then we'll get to dumb the last Recon's testimonial I actually never got around to reading it. Oh, so that's too bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, well, surprised. However, well, well, I maybe can we'll read it now. Maybe we'll read it the next episode. Let's just do it next time. We're running out. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Nah, just get myself. <laughs> kill him! Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Um, <laughs> so, just for some quick context, uh, last weekend submitted two tracks from the game TMNT, um, TMNT Mutant Turtle Shredder's Revenge, which recently came out on yeah. pretty much every console. Um, and his testimonial was pretty much for both of those things. So I'm just going to read that real quick now. He said, My Patreon submission for this month's episode comes from Shredder's Revenge. Do you know how long we have waited for a TMNT brawler that was this good? Too long, I say. And there are a few tracks on here that are definitely bangers, which I did submit another one to because he submitted two. Right. And we but played this them both. one. <laughs> we played them both. But this one, I believe he's referring specifically to We Ain't Came to Lose in this case. But this one fits my usual last weekend flair. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer. I know me and my sons definitely are playing this and a few other games. Also, Mr. Nichols, you should find yourself procuring a copy of Capcom Fighting Collection. Mm. I think there's a little game called Red Earth on there that you'll love. Turtles Forever. 
I thought it only appropriate since you guys played a track from Wu-Tang Shaolin style that we have another track from the one and only Ghostface Killer, that being the second track. Um, I said, no, I was also keen to lose. I'm sorry. This entire soundtrack is the best, hence why I sent in two submissions. And we're glad he did because we chose them both. That's um, right. So- I did play from Wu-Tang Shaolin style. The PlayStation 1 Wu-Tang Clan video game, which I still can't believe is a thing. Um, that, that was ages ago. And for listeners, if you're curious about that, the soundtrack is incredible. And there is an entire like deep dive of that soundtrack on Michael Bridgewater's uh, podcast, The Forever Sound Version. He plays every track. They talk about the production, the artists, the the RZA, the Jizza, the Raekwon, all that stuff. It's an incredible, incredible podcast. So and it's, it should still be out there. I'm sorry. And, and there's also a small bit of humor that comes out of me reading his testimonial too. A week late, mind you, specifically because it was a week late. Because oh, yeah. on because on Saturday I was hanging around with some friends at a table. We were talking about random stuff, and the topic of this game came up Wu-Tang Shaolin style mm-hmm. however the issue was that I was having we were having issues remembering the name of the game and uh that was because there was like a second game that was getting conflicted or conflated into this whole thing too because as you remember there was Thrill Kill Thrill right. Kill became the Wu-Tang fighting game the four player Wu-Tang fighting game yes. but um I want to say it was either getting confused with Wu-Tang Shaolin style or like maybe something like Def Jam Fight for New York or something. Probably Def Jam Fight for New York, which is another fighting 3D fighting game based on a whole bunch of rappers. But that's a whole bunch of rappers from Def Jam. So yeah, yeah, like you can like Ludacris versus Busta Rhymes, that kind of stuff. I think DMX is in that. Just, <laughs> it was just such a weird conversation to have. I'm like, I think I know there's a Wu Tang game, but I want to say that was on PS2 and this one was on PS1, so it's not the same game. So I was I was all over the place, man. Yeah, it's that old man brain kicking in. I don't know. I don't think Thrill Kill was ever released. I think it was like. They, it they, wasn't. They put it together and it was almost done, but then it was deemed like okay, it's too violent or too weird, and like, and the character tropes were like were too offensive, and so then somehow the Wu Tang Clan got involved. I would like to know more about how they got into that game, <laughs> and then but then I they and then they made a soundtrack, and the soundtrack is awesome, it's so cool. I mean, it was smarter than that they did though, because if I'm from what I remember, Thrill Kill, like you said, it was pretty much completed, just not polished and released because much of the internet was burning like the prototype and playing the prototype copy of the game. That's how I played it. Um, and the characters were like, you know, typical, like we're going to be tropey, like we're going to be offensive and weird to be. So like the dominatrix and the yeah, gimp yeah, yeah. and like, you know, stuff like that. So it was like to have a game that's completely done. It's like, all we got to do is put other character models over these people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. And it was just as violent. They kept all of the moves. They kept all of like the fatality, like ripping off heads and arms and and blood and stuff. But instead, it's the Wu Tang Clan beating each other up. (laughs) And that made it okay. And that that makes it okay. Okay, in my book. Um, (laughs) All right, so another thing that's come out recently, I think it's out right now, right? It's uh, Sonic Origins. Yes. And that is today's topic. We are going to. And I'm hoping to do maybe a few episodes, maybe not in a row, but a few episodes of Sonic. Like, this will be Sonic Origins on the Genesis, and then we'll do maybe um, Sonic Spin-Off, like Sonic Spin-Dash, but Sonic Spin-Off. So, like, 3D and Spin... Uh, was a, what's that one? Sonic Drop Dash. Um, Spinball, all that stuff. And then um, and then maybe Adventure, Adventure Time, Sonic Adventure Time. So, all of the Adventure Series games, and then another one for... Uh, 
God, we could do a whole bunch. <laughs> there's so many because you didn't even get about the portable games. And yeah, then we go to uh, Sonic Portable. There's um, like Sonic Party games, so Sonic maybe, cartoons. So maybe two or three episodes. I think we could we can probably do like Sonic wise, and then maybe like a Patreon Sonic Party would be a lot of fun. There's just so much that you can do with that character, even. Yeah, um, just a little and, blue, and I guess, little blue guy, little blue guy with big it's like you remind me of what was the live stream when we did the live episode at TMG and the, and the one girl takes the microphone. She's like, I really love Sonic. She, love she, Sonic music. She just took the microphone I... from you. And she was like, because you were like, hey, what, what what's people's experience with video game music? What what drives you to, to be more interested in it? And, and what, what gets you into the games? And she just grabs the microphone and just talks about She did about the whole, Sonic, like, the yeah. two hand on the microphone pose and everything. She was in it. But, yeah. like... It was just like Sonic hits everybody in a certain way. Like he's a, he's an iconic character. He's not, he's not quite Mario, which is like understandable. But I've always felt personally that Mario may have had the games, though many would disagree with me there. Sonic had the characterization, hands down. Like I'm more interested in seeing Sonic in media than Mario in media. I kind of am too. Like it's just he's more to me. He's more interesting. Like he's he's exciting. He's cartoony and he's funny. Like there was like the, there was like that Saturday morning Sonic cartoon that was funny, and then there was another cartoon that was like a little bit more serious. Um, mm-hmm. Now you had it backwards then, but yeah, the, the Saturday oh. morning one was the serious, and the one that came on weekdays was the really silly oh, one. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I used to watch it over at my friend Steve's house, and then like they were both good. They were both. I don't think I ever watched the dramatic one, and then the um, and then the games themselves, like they gave, they were fun platformers. They were really hard, and of course they kept billing it as. It's so fast. It's so fast. But I'll tell you what, Pernell, for the first time, I'm actually playing the games. <laughs> I played the games today in really? preparation for the show. And it's just so which like, ones you play? I, I, the one that I never really played a whole bunch of as a kid, and that was Sonic 3. Because I, re- I remember oh, okay. now, growing up, I had Sonic 1 because I came packed in with the um, with the system when, when we bought mm-hmm. the system. So it, wasn't, it, wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a release game, but it was a pack-in later on. And then we got Sonic 2, which I played to death. I must have played that game a billion times. And then I never got Sonic 3. I only got the uh, the Sonic and Knuckles cart. So I was missing a bunch Wait, of... So Wait, so you had Sonic and Knuckles, but not Sonic 3? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because... So, and we'll get into that a little bit of the history of Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles later on in the, once we get to that. But we're going to play some music over the history of, of the series. So it's 1990... Um, the Genesis is out there and it's like, we need to separate ourselves from Mario. What can we do different from Mario? Right. And then, and then they start coming up with different character designs. They come with different animals and they land on this spiky blue hedgehog. And everyone's like, people are going to love this thing. You know, it can be, it doesn't have to be like, like boys are going to like it. Girls are going to like it. It's going to be cute. It's going to be funny. He's going to have a whole lot of attitude. And in 1991, Sonic the Hedgehog is released for the Sega Genesis and the Sega Mega Drive. And when I even, uh, did it come out on the Mega Drive at the same time too or did it get a, did they make a Mega Drive version? Or so, oh, I'm dense. I'm thinking Master System. I'm oh, freaking no. on I'm on <laughs> yeah, goofballs. Uh, I should say this episode is all about the Genesis, the the the, the Sega Genesis uh, um, uh, Sonic. Cuz Sonic was on everything, like everything. even the Game Gear and, and all that stuff. So, but we're going to talk about the Genesis games. These were like the base games like Everything else to me, especially as a kid, was like a spinoff of, of these base games. Um, right. And they didn't they weren't simultaneous re- re- released on the Genesis and um, the Mega Drive. I don't think so, but I think it was in the same year. Like around really? The same year. Yeah, pretty sure. 
So let's get into two. the first track. This is five. So you're going to start us off. Okay, so the track that I ended up choosing, which is one of Massey kind of surprised I never picked for this show in the past. Oh, I should say, we haven't played, a, we have not played a lot of this music on this show. We played so many remixes and covers, but we've, we played very little of the Genesis Sonic music on the show. Well, that's a relief, which means very little room for stepping on toes. That's right. Um, this track that I'm choosing comes from Sonic the Hedgehog 1, and it is the theme to the Marble Zone. Um, and this was composed by Masato Nakamura. That's right. Yeah. So Masato Nakamura composed uh, the entirety of the first Sonic game. So let's go. Welcome back. You're listening to the Marble Zone theme from Sonic the Hedgehog 1 for the Sega Genesis composed by Masato Nakamura. So, Sonic the Hedgehog 1, when that game came out, we had already had ourselves a Genesis, so it was kind of depressing to think we had to figure out how we were going about getting our hands on a copy of this newly released hyped up game because we wanted to get, become a part of the whole blast processing fad too. You know, all the ads showed Sonic hitting loop de loops and blasting at high speeds on straightaways. You wanted to experience that for yourself, but how do you get it when you're broke? Well, this was in the age of mail-in rebates. And Sega, at the time, because they really wanted to get Sonic's name out there to promote the character in the game, were actually giving it away to people, even if they already owned the Genesis. But you had to mail in to do so. So, I don't remember about the mailing like UPCs from games, oh. or just sending a postcard, but we mailed in to request a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog, and it took like a month or two, but we did get a copy of the game for free. Um, and that's how I managed to get a chance to play it. Oh, that's cool. And the funny thing, it's interesting, because Sonic 1, despite being a 100% sound game, there's a few things about it that got to me. There's the fact that one, when you first start playing the game, you know, you do get the sense of the speed, because they have speed points in Green Hill Zone that are intended to show you how fast Sonic can get, mm -hmm. you know? So you do that kind of stuff. And then the moment you get to the Marble Zone, the second world, mm -hmm. they flip that right on his head. Oh, There's okay. not a single point in that level where you're meant to go fast. Yeah, that's, like, that's where you're like, wait a minute, I have to really pay attention to these jumps. I remember so well, like, dying on this world over and over and over again until I finally learned to take my time. 
Yeah, I want to say the only parts in that level where you could have gone any remotely fast is like if there was areas where, where lava would chase you. Mm. But otherwise, you were standing on lava bricks and letting them carry you. Or waiting to get past like blocks that were trying to crush you in between the walls. But you were almost never going fast here. And then the game continued to go down that line too. But Marvel, despite all of that, Marvel Zone probably only under the Green Hill Zone for iconic nature is the level I most remember from Sonic 1 mm. followed by the Labyrinth Zone because that's the first level where I was really drowning. Freaking drowning in Sonic. It's horrible. Um, but the music stood out across all the things. Now, the sad part about all this is that despite me waxing nostalgic and genuinely showing that I appreciate Sonic 1, I never find myself going back to it though because Sonic 2, which we'll get to later and probably re-emphasize when we do, yeah. brought up the brought up, introduced the speed, the spin dash. Yeah, they added which some extra stuff, and they feel like they kept refining the game. Like they actually kept making it better. I feel like they did. The game, they yeah. were. The levels were better. Everything was better. Yeah. But even to go back to Sonic One and being okay with the level design, that that difficulty to increase your speed at will. Which is also why Sonic CD drives me crazy too. Well, one of the many reasons that game drives me crazy. Um, but that is a large part of why I have trouble going back to that game. Well, but it's still a sound game. Well, as far as like platforming goes, so if you think of like the original Super Mario Brothers, one and two, like you have you can you just it's all blocky. You're going left and right. You're jumping. The jumping is kind of floaty. You know, however they set it up. It wasn't until three that you started having slopes. Um, and slopes would add some speed to your to your guy. You can do like a little um, slide for Mario. But then past that, there wasn't much more other than just slope up and slope down, right? And you mean in Mario? In Mario. And then Sonic mm-hmm. comes around and says, well, how about rather than just slopes, we make straight up curves. Because when Sonic's um, running, like they do like, he does like a cartoon thing where like his legs like, <laughs> they just go end over end like a giant wheel. And mm-hmm. so they could just make him just run around all over the stage and so they, they 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 borrowed a little bit of the physics of mario in that like when you're you don't just you don't just hold the direction and immediately go a certain speed as you're holding the direction you're adding speed to your character and then when you let go there's like a little bit of a deceleration right so mm-hmm. they added that they added um additional like i feel like his jumping was was way like the platforming in the first game was like of sonic first game of sonic was way way more a little more challenging to get around like he would like land really hard and it was absolutely um, difficult but, like, to get around oh yeah but but um but the 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 again the curves of the platforms being able to do full loops all that stuff it was buggy from time to time, but for the most part, like you were meant to just run through those areas, and so you didn't even think about how buggy it was, or maybe this shouldn't have happened. Like you were just thinking, like, "Wow, he is." It's really like clever, and it looks really graceful going through all of these like parts of the stage. And the stages were designed to just take advantage of like all this crazy math that they were putting together. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. Um, so also, we should say that the story of Sonic was very like straightforward. You know, it was like. I, and, I, and as a kid in the 90s, I loved it. It was all environmental, you know? Like it was all environmental cause. Uh, Dr. Robotnik or Eggman w- was coming out, s- capturing cute little animals and turning them into evil machines. And so when you bopped the machines, you weren't killing them, you were freeing the animals. And I loved that. I, I, I always really, really liked that. 
But as an adult, I just have trouble picturing the technology behind how those robots function prior <laughs> to being bopped because when you destroy the machine, the animal just plops out. So what is it? What was it before? Was the animal just running on a treadmill inside the machine? And the machine did pretty much did its own work. It just needed to be powered by an animal. I was getting electrocuted in the butt to keep running or something. Yeah, I never thought about I don't that, that closely. I never thought about that closely. I know that at the end of each stage, like you, there's always like a, a big like jail or eventually essentially a giant jail or, or capsule that you you explode and you free like a whole bunch of them. And it's always mm-hmm. very satisfying to see them all bounce around on this stage. And then uh, that iconic jingle, do 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 do. Oh yeah, do do. Everything, everything about this game musically and sound effects wise is is some of the best on the Genesis, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And some of the best sounding music on the Genesis. Masato Nakamura's soundtracks for these first two games are incredible. Um, so we're gonna get to the next track. This is called the Starlight Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog One, composed by Masato Nakamura. back you're listening to the starlight zone from sonic the hedgehog for the sega genesis composed by masato nakamura man this this is this this, this makes me feel good doesn't it this whole song mm-hmm. is this in the last one too the, um something about the music seems very lyrical like the the melodies and the and the chords were written in a way that it wasn't just a keyboard playing the sounds i feel like they had lyrics in mind for, for this music you know you, you could sing along to it like you just there just were no words written for it it's just um, it's just so so much fun um, and again in this one just like in the last track the before it loops over there's always like a really interesting bridge and I feel like that kind of it's kind of funky and there's something about that funky bridge that is very Sonic the Hedgehog and um, he does a, a whole lot more of that in the second game and I feel like when other artists took the mantle for the third game or third slash fourth game, then mm-hmm. um, they were sort of like imitating that as well. But I think at that point, Genesis kind of like the Gen- Sega of America had their own kind of sound, you know, like um, uh, the Toe Jam and Earl. Um, you had Dynamite Heady. Like, every, like you, you pl- plugged in the Genesis, like you kind of there's a sound in 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 mind that was going to come from that thing. 
Yeah, it's interesting with this this level too, because uh, Sonic One, Starlight Zone. When you read the manual, and it was like, here are the different levels of the game. Right. Uh, Starlight Zone was the one I probably most looked forward to getting to, mm-hmm. because the well, the name for one, yeah. Starlight. Um, and when you're actually playing it, it probably feels. Like Sonic 1's version of something like Speed Highway in Sonic Adventure. Um, basically, like the highway stage of the game. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's like a nighttime in the city. The stage itself is actually a little bland. It's like kind of like a, like a weird muted green on all of the platforms. But in the, back, of, in the background, it's cool. But like it's not. there's not a lot of flashiness to it. Yeah, and there's a lot of slow points where you have to hit those spiky seesaws. Where's like the spike balls on the seesaw? Yeah, oh, I do remember that. I do remember Drove those nuts. <laughs> like I, <laughs> yeah, I tell you, man, the seesaw ones because you have to wait for them, you know. And you're like, oh, God, I want to wait. I don't want to wait. Momentum killers. Momentum killers. <laughs> so many of them. Oh my God. But hey, that's why many will agree. Sonic Two is when the series came into its own. And became the iconic franchise that we know it as today. Yeah. So Sonic, Sonic One was good, but Sonic. it was no Sonic Two. Sonic Two is fantastic. So this is a year only, just a year later. We have Sonic the Hedgehog Two. They add a second character. Uh, Wait, it came out in one year later. One year later, this game was released. Wow. You get Tails, the uh, the little fox with double tails, which I, mm-hmm. I he was like a uh, or she was like a uh, like a, like a experiment of Doctor Robotnik's, right? No, um, it's hard to say. I feel like I remember reading that in the manual, but over the course of the series history, it was pretty much made to be just that he was a form of a fox. Okay. That just had a, uh, a second tail, and other foxes made fun of him until Sonic befriended him. But um, yeah, so added I that, do feel like yeah. I recall it being a matter of he got the second tail because of environmental poisoning brought on by Robotnik's experiments. That's what I remember, like you're saying. Yeah, that's the, um, and, and to me, like I feel like thematically, like that all make that all tracks. With like mm-hmm. the environmental theme, like you're because like you're saving the animals, but you are also yourselves animals. Like maybe Sonic is super fast and is highly intelligent because he was also an experiment of Doctor Robotnik. Maybe he's fun fact. Uh, is I he? I recall this is years ago. It could have been an Archie comic or it could have been like an Origins of Sonic comic that was put out as a promotional for the game. But I 100 percent remember a comic where Sonic was actually a brown hedgehog. And he was not fast yet, but Robotnik actually had him as a lab animal Mm -hmm. and made him into Sonic by accident, like experimenting on him. Yeah, that makes sense to me, like the Mm -hmm. (laughs) proto-hedgehog, proto-hog. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, I would prefer that to be the origin as opposed to just this random hedgehog who's really fast, (laughs) who just happens to exist on Mobius. Um, Because that would be the reason that would make more sense. Is that right? It's Mobius. Mobius. Because the other reason why that would make the most sense is when you look at the original game, Sonic was the only non-tiny, cute animal in the franchise. It was only Sonic. Every other animal you came across was a tiny animal that you rescued, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Metal Sonic was built by Robotnik to be the counter to Sonic. Which means he probably already knew about Sonic because he created Sonic and Sonic escaped. So he wanted to make something to counter Sonic, which was Metal Sonic. Um, yeah. And then that would also make like sense a, for Tails. Right. Because, you know, like Tails was also... It's like a Mega Man right. situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because Mega Man, for those who aren't familiar, Mega Man was created pretty much by Dr. Wily and Dr. Light together 
Well, more so Rock was, but then once the whole need to have a hero came about, Dr. Light converted him into Mega Man. Because he wouldn't be taken over by Wally's technology. Oh, you know? and, 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 they're, like and they're both blue. That's Mega right. Sonic. So maybe there's more Maybe there's more in common with, with uh, Sonic and Mega Man. But, um, Fun fact, there's an Archie comic where they team up. <laughs> Is there? I believe it. I believe it. There was a ton of those comics. So many of those comics I, I, I've heard about, but I did not collect them. Um, so uh, again, we have Masato Nakamura is on the composition duties for this game, or at least he's the only one credited for the entire game. Um, so it's it's very similar in style, but man, I love this style of music, and um, and we'll talk more about like what, uh, the new mechanics and like what we loved about these stages in, in, in this game um, after we play some music. So Pranav, what, what do you have? All right, so my next track is going to come from the next game in the series, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. This is the Aquatic Ruin Zone, also composed by Masato Nakamura. You're listening to the Aquatic Ruin Zone from the game Sonic the Hedgehog 2, composed by Masato Nakamura. So, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Aquatic Ruin Zone was pretty much, it wasn't the only, but it was the primary level for water in this game. Though despite that being the case, you didn't really have to deal with much water if you were lucky on this level. You could pretty much bypass most of the water sections because one of the cool add-ons to Sonic the Hedgehog 2, in my personal opinion, was the levels were more, I don't want to call them labyrinthine, but they had more options for alternative pathways yes. that you could take yeah. if you were if you like to explore, stay on the high ground and stuff like that, Yeah, they, um, which was one of the, the changes to Sonic 2. Yeah, I think like they um, realized people were like sort of like just going off on their own in the first game and like seeing what was in, what was in hidden corners of, of the world and getting off of like the ramps and stuff. And they were like, you know, why don't we just have like two separate areas? So in the aquatic ruin zone, like the top area is almost like this, like this ancient Mayan like ruin area, and then below it is all water, and so you can get stuck in the water. You get stuck, but it's still a whole. It's like a whole second stage down there. Like I remember playing this game like multiple times, and then like choosing to go in the water or choosing to go above the water. You know, just different routes, just as however I felt. Oh yeah. yeah. So like Sonic the Hedgehog two as a whole. Like, one thing I found funny about it when it came out was they were like, the new Sonic the Hedgehog, now Sonic's not alone. He's got a friend. His name is Tails. Yeah. And they're going to both go after Dr. Robotnik. 
But uh, at least in the Sonic 2 game, Tails really didn't do much. Like, you couldn't control him. Like, Player 2 at the time, from my recollection, Player 2 could not control Tails nope. in Sonic 2. Player 2 could control Tails. In the multiplayer or on, on versus? No, in single player. Oh my god! Yeah, cause, okay. Because would, I would play all the time. Me, me and my sister would take turns playing as the fox. Because I always wanted to play the whole We're game. We're going to cut that part out! I always wanted to play the whole game. Well, okay. the thing is, is that like... If you played as it was still it was still a single player experience. Whoever was Miles, they could get killed. They could get knocked off the screen, and they would just sort of like fly back on. Um, so yeah, they, they couldn't die. Yeah, but could but the player could they do the tap the button multiple times to make tails fly as player two? I don't remember that one. Maybe, 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 maybe. I'm pretty sure they had a spin dash, but I wasn't sure. Like I, I do know that they couldn't control the screen. Like the the, the camera followed Sonic wherever he was. And so if he was like taken off, going off of like those like little rubber band things that would spin him around, like tails were just kind of ta- getting tails would get to get super lost. Yeah, yeah. But then the one thing they did add that was cool to the game that I do remember for sure was they added racing stages. Yes. So, but in the case of this game, unlike the game we're going to talk about later, the levels you raced on were exact replicas of the levels from the main game. Except they kind of put a barrier in the middle of the screen and they squanched it. Now I believe they also removed some like enemy elements because they couldn't handle having it all on the screen. To yeah, the memory. Yeah, I think they they removed some enemy elements. They, the the stages might have been condensed a little bit too, but it was definitely like a split screen like kind of race, which was in the end the music was unique to those stages. Mm-hmm. Which I did like playing the racing in that game, even though it was hard to do because again. Some of the elements when you were like playing on like squash screen, it was hard to make them out. But oh, you yeah. made do with the best you could because you understood that both players had the same affliction they were dealing with, so you just made it work. Yeah. Um, but Sonic would make a great racing game, which is why I guess Sonic Rivals became a thing for a little while too, um, which I wish they kind of stuck with because Sonic sh- should be a racing platform game. It really should. I think so. A r- yeah, platform like side scrolling, but racing. I think that would be a really good thing. So, um, oh, yeah. so other things to added to the game, they added um, the spin dash. So, like if you lose your momentum or if you needed to to run through something as like the little ball to break something, in the first game you just had to like sort of like just run as fast as you could and then press the down arrow or the down the down on the D pad just for a roll through. Now you can just press the down arrow and the jump button at the same time to charge it up and then just you can just zip right through. And I think that was like one of the coolest mechanics. Um, I remember really, really thinking that was really awesome. And oh yeah, and the fact that whenever you tried to do it, you had you could hear the rear, 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 like the rev up sound. Yeah, like I would just do sound. it just to hear that. Yeah, I think I think it only revved up like three or four levels, but you can just keep hitting the button just to hear it go, and that was always really satisfying. Um, so yeah, there lots of like lots of new levels and new animations. And um, my next track, I'm gonna play uh, the Mystic Cave. I picked a bunch of music thinking that you, we might overlap, <laughs> so I'm gonna. Pick well, did, but did we overlap? Did you have? Did you have our um, aquatic not, ruins? Not yet. We haven't overlapped yet. So um, we're gonna play. We're gonna play the Mystic Cave music from Sonic the Hedgehog 2, again composed by Masato Nakamura for the Sega Genesis.
All right, this is the Mystic Cave Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Sega Genesis, composed by Masato Nakamura. Um, again, we've got that cool lead sound. I think it's using the, um, the, the Master System PSG that's built into the Sega Genesis. Um, but, oh, man, you get, it gets this kind of like creepy circus music section right here. And then um, the best part of the song, I think, is coming up. It's after like this this next little uh, this next little verse. It's like a it's like a breakdown. Oh yeah, the chord the chords cut out, and then you just have the bass and the drums, and then you get those cool little like kind of ghost kind of sounds. Oh man, it's just so clever. This whole song, the whole soundtrack is so so clever. Um, I it just, feel like it fits the stage too. You know, I feel like with this level in this track, it took. It took a very different turn compared to what you'd been hearing in the game and seeing in the game up to this point. Like this feels like what would have been a Super Mario Brothers ghost house. It could have been you yeah. Get here. Yeah, but except that well, it's got like the funky beat. It's it's this um I don't know, like it's like that 90s like drum machine funky sound with new jack swing um, but like a really cool deep bass that only the Genesis can pull off, you know. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying in the sense of like a, like a same the same like style of music. Mm. I'm saying it more akin to like the theme of a level. Oh, the theme of a every level. Sonic yeah, level. Yeah. yeah, every Sonic level up to this point was some form of ruin, or it was like a bright sky, mm-hmm. or a night sky. Like basically, like you were outdoors and vibrant, whatever. Um, but I feel like this was the first time I was like, okay, you're in a dark, dank cave. Yeah. The music sounds spooky. Uh, there's like fire whisks that fly around the cave. There's traps in the cave. Yeah, you can go it's... and like there's like trap doors and you're pulling levers. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, and there's this kind of spooky, but still really fun, but spooky music that's playing. It's it's, it's very unique to, to the series so far. I was actually reading an interesting narrative about specifically the Mystic Cave Zone kind of came up because I was researching Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, another thing we'll bring up later, probably. Um, where apparently when I played the game back in the day, I recalled this, which is why I was like, huh, I remember this. There was a early pit where you had to pull a lever to bring down a bridge. But if you forgot to pull the lever and you jumped forward, you'd fall into a pit of spikes and you'd have to die in there. Like You'd have to wait until you ran out of rings and die. It happened to me before. Yeah, I know. Everybody stopped laughing. Anyway, um, <laughs> apparently they changed that later on a future version of the game oh. where it led you to another zone in the game, which I would like to try this now and find out for sure. Like apparently it was a secret interest to the hidden palace zone. Like a whole, oh, the, oh, that's right. So another thing added to Sonic 2 is the Chaos Emeralds. I don't think they were in the first one. No, they were. Oh, they, they were. They were there, but they didn't serve the same purpose. In the first game, you had that weird uh, mini game where you were like in the big circle that was spin around the right. big spinning place. Right. The bonus you game, could find them. Yeah, it was like a weird spinny circle thing that always gave me a headache. I never, I never liked playing it. Um, in the yeah, second it game, the bonus game is a half pipe, very much um, skate or die, tour de thrash style, where you're just yeah. like, you're running down a half pipe and you have to collect the rings. And it's it actually gets really difficult towards the end, especially if you have the uh, the CPU controlling tails running into everything. But it was so fun. It was the so trick much was fun. just to not let not let Tails get any of the rings because he'd lose them. He would lose them all. And so, at the end, if you connected collected enough rings at the end of those bonus stages, you would collect the Chaos Emerald. And there's seven or there eight eight Chaos Emeralds. There's seven. Seven Chaos it's, Emeralds. It was it was a direct homage to Dragon Ball Z. Ah, so once you have all of those crystals, 
then once you collect 50 rings, you can go into supersonic mode. Right? Supersonic roll. Yep. And when you were supersonic, you were essentially invincible. Uh, the only thing that could neutralize that is if you let yourself run out of rings, which would slowly decrement over time. So you had to continue to pick up rings in order to maintain supersonic status. However, if you could continue to do that, levels became a cakewalk and a breeze because you just blasted forward. Um, and you didn't fly per se, but you ran so fast that if you ran off of a cliff, yeah, you, you kind of had some glide momentum that you, you could had, just fly with. It gave you so much forward momentum that like whatever, whatever like lift that you had off of like a jump or off of a ledge, you were just you were just taking off across the stage, um, which is really cool. But the the biggest issue with that, especially as as a young kid who loved the music and the person who loves it, yes. Now, is that every time you turn into supersonic, it had its own theme song and all of the music in the game would cut out and that's, and all you would hear is the supersonic theme song. The sad part is it wasn't even its own theme. I wish it got its own oh, theme, no, but it I was still been pissed. Theme, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just the invisible theme over and over and over again. A theme that was programmed to be played for 10 seconds could be played for minutes oh. and it got old fast. Yeah, so actually in later, like I think I played through this again Maybe about like eight, eight or nine years ago, and I actively like never collected all of the the of the of the, of the chaos emeralds because you would accidentally trigger into supersonic, and then the game would suddenly get a little too easy, a little too fast, and then the music, all the music that was enjoyable, yeah, totally gone, totally gone. Um, I think that was the only mechanic with the chaos emeralds, right? There was some there was some additional hidden stuff in the next game, I think. Yeah. Oh no, Sonic 3. So Sonic 2, the gimmick to let you get to that racing was getting 50 rings and getting to a goal post, which would generate this ring around above the flag post. You could jump in and go to the half pipe. Right. But Sonic 3, which I guess we'll talk about later anyway. Oh, we're here uh, now. Rather than, <laughs> rather than uh, have you go and do the 50 rings hit the spinning post. So I think that still existed, but it led to a different game. It did. There was, um, there was you two had to separate instead, games, yeah. Yes. But in this game, you had to find giants, giant rings that were hidden on the map. This was the beginning of both one of the coolest and the most annoying elements of the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise that they've that they expanded on over time, which is that uh, you have these games that are built around occasional moments of momentum in these like weird expansive worlds that you're trying to explore and find stuff in. But you're also they want you to finish the levels quickly. But you're constantly trying to dig your head and figure out where giant rings are <laughs> to get seven emeralds in a level. And sometimes some of the levels, those things were a pain in the butt to locate. They were. Like, they made you work. Like Angel Island, easy. Uh Hydrosity? Fairly easy. After those two, yeah, you're working. You're working for every one of them. Uh, and I both like looking for things in that game, and I also loathe it when I want to maintain my sense of speed. Like, oh, I, I would know. actually yeah, play yeah. it back in the day, and my goal, if I were being serious, was to get all seven Chaos Emeralds before the end of Hydrocity Zone. Because <laughs> you could do it. It could be done. It absolutely could be done. Um, so, in Sonic 2, there was a whole lot of new, um, like, graphical... Like updates they were making to the game. Like suddenly there were, there was like a whole lot of like color cycling that they were able to do with like through the waterfall. So it, it looked like transparency with Sonic running through it. The um the the 3D stage of the half pipe was like a really kind of fake like 3D that they were able to make. 
on the Genesis mm-hmm. using different kinds of sprites. It was really like the, the, the coding tricks that they did behind Sonic 2 were fascinating. And they took all of that and they carried it into Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 was released in February of 1994 on its own, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Um, now, they had intended for a much larger game with um, the new character Knuckles, the Enkita, is that how you say it? Enkita? Echidna. Echidna. Knuckles the Echidna. Um, but he was only a, a non-playing, char- non-playable character in Sonic 3 until um, October of 94, they released Sonic and Knuckles. And so they, because of budget, because of timing, they just weren't able to make it all into one game. So they split it into two, and they gave Which you that, is, and then they gave you Sonic and Knuckles. So if you wanted to play the full real experience, you would take the Sonic 3 and the lock-on technology, which was like a pass-through data stream on top of Sonic and Knuckles. And so you were stacking carts on top of carts on the Sega Genesis, and that was the beginning of, of the wackiness of the Sega Genesis era. But what I loved about this whole thing was that at least when Sonic 3 came out, they they didn't give that impression that this was a whole two-game process. They were no. just like, here's Sonic 3, kids. Go play Sonic 3. Yeah, and and like, then when Sonic Whoa. and Knuckles came out, it was like, the new Sonic game is coming out, but we came up with lock-on technology. It's a special thing where you're like, <laughs> no, actually, what you did was just split the game. But they don't tell you that. They want you to know that part. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, still a cool game. Yeah. Still a cool concept. I think, I think that's what it was. I think like by the time like when I was younger and I finally had the money to to buy it, I got Sonic and Knuckles knowing that it included most of the Sonic 3 game. So I was like, well, I'm, why would I go back and buy Sonic 3 if I already have Sonic and Knuckles? Not realizing that you're actually missing out like on, on a bunch of levels and, and music and a whole bunch of stuff. So it's, it is three games, kind of four games. The... Um, the the idea that they would i don't know that it was cheaper for them to create a second cart with a whole different top of it <laughs> that would you can attach another cart a cartridge on top of that cartridge just just to do it is really really fascinating um so now let's talk about some of the music here there are a, a ton of composers japanese composers from sega of japan and uh, composers from sega of america on the soundtrack. Um, some of them are credited to the music, to specific songs. Some of them have not been. Some of them over the course of um, uh, interviews, they'd say, yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure that was me on that stage. I'm, I'm positive that was me. And some others were like, I don't know. I know I worked on this. I don't know if it made it into the game or not. It's been 20 years, 30 years, leave me alone. So what we can say is that we know we have uh, Tatsuyuki Maeda, Tamanori Sawada, Sachia Ogawa, Masayuki Nagao, Masanori Hikichi, Nyoka Takaoka, and Jun Tsunue um, from Sega of Japan. And then we have credited Brad Buxer, who was a longtime contributor to Michael Jackson um, and the co-writer of some songs like Stranger in Moscow, um, was credited on the soundtrack. Because as we know now, uh, Michael Jackson did work on some of the music and then um, exited the game. And then Brad Buxer was, you know, the, the collaborator was then credited in the game. A lot of that music was not finished. So some of that music allegedly was completed by um, uh, uh, Howard Drossen, who worked for um, Sega of America on a bunch of other games. Um, and then we also have another person who worked with uh, Michael Jackson named uh, Sirocco Jones. 
I'm um, glad you covered all that because I couldn't remember the three people that worked with, with Michael Jackson at all. Yeah, so um, some of the music we know is Howard Drossen. Some of the music we know is Jensen O.A. Uh, like the the bonus round tracks are all Jensen O.A. Um, and we know some from Howard Drossen. We know some from... We, we have some ideas on what was originally Michael Jackson-like tunes. Um, so it's just a, it's just some interesting... Um, interesting uh history around the the creation of this game and the music around this game i mean 1994 the sega genesis was killing it in america everyone wanted one everyone was playing it um you know sega was just a huge uh, force so let's listen to some of the music from sonic 3 and sonic and knuckles or sonic sonic 3 and knuckles how are we going to call it sonic knuckles and 3 which is well the, the technical the term that they go with is Sonic 3, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Sonic 3 and um, Knuckles, that makes sense to me. Tails, you're out of the picture. No, actually... Though, with, though this, funny enough with me, I I never was able to, like, in normal general conversation, I've never been able to do the whole linking of them. Um, doesn't hurt that I never actually got to play the whole Sonic 3 and Knuckles combo game. I've only ever played Sonic 3 mm. and Sonic and Knuckles. Um, so I just stuck with Sonic 3. And that's what, but yeah, but the technical term is Sonic 3 and Knuckles when you link the carts together. And whew, one day I'm going to sit there and play it, but that's got to be a long game. It's got to be a long game. I'm playing through it now. It's um, it's challenging. Some parts are actually really, really hard. I have not gotten any better in my old age. Um, so let's listen to some music. Pronal, what is your first track? Okay, my track that I'm choosing is going to be an oddity only because I learned about it as I was choosing my actual track. I was like, screw that. I'm doing this one. So... Apparently, those who already probably know, when Sonic Origins, the game came out and the Michael Jackson fiasco came up, um, well, it was finally revealed to everybody that already knew it, ha, 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 um, they had to remove the tracks that were in the cartridges that we all know and love, and they replaced it with prototype tracks that were remastered by Jin Sonoe, that Rob mentioned. However, apparently, the prototype versions that were around before Jin Sonoe remastered them for the game sound different from the ones in Sonic Origins. And I was shocked to discover that. Huh. So I wanted to play one of those tracks because as far as I'm concerned, as much as I like the theme in Carnival Nights, I like the prototype better. Okay, so we're going to But only the pre-prototype. The pre-prototype. So this is the Carnival Night Zone prototype version that's not in Sonic Origins. <laughs> <laughs> and this is composed by one of the people Rob mentioned earlier, <laughs> which is why I'm laughing when I was like, thank you for naming all those people for me, because I don't know who did this yeah, we, at we, all. This one, yeah, this is one of the ones that we just, just aren't, aren't sure. So here we go.
Mm-hmm. Welcome back. You're listening to the Carnival Night Zone Act One uh, prototype version that also isn't in Sonic Origins. Uh, composed by one of the people Rob mentioned earlier. Right, yeah. We can, I'm we can putting take my some thumb guesses. On. I mean, I, I don't know. This doesn't sound like a Howard Drossen track to me. It, the, I almost want to guess it was Jin Sanoe still, because I know he was a part of the original composer team, too. Yeah, so. he was. I mean, but I, from what I understand, he only did the the, the bonus round tracks. Wow. The bonus stage wow. tracks. So this could be, I mean, it could be, a, 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 it doesn't sound like Howard Drossen. It doesn't sound like a Michael Jackson kind of sound. Um, it's just, I don't, there's something about that fast swing beat. It's just, it's very classic, like Masato Nakamura to me. But um, man, that opening where it kind of, like, after it loops and it breaks down, that kind of, it sounds so cool. It's a really, it, really fun track. I feel like. Like I said, I, I, I mentioned initially that I, and people should know this by now, I've always loved the Carnival Nights theme, despite hating the stupid stage, because mm-hmm. as everybody and their grandma knows that barrel can kiss everybody's butt. Um, but, despite my enjoyment of the original track, I feel like this track is more fitting for the zone itself. It's got a vibrant life to it bounciness which as you know from carnival nights is about a popping balloons and hitting ramps and typical pinball flippers it was a wild stage with lots of lights and flash and glare this level could have used an actual carnival-y theme now don't get me wrong carnival night itself is also a carnival sound but it's a funky carnival sound it's more of a it's more of the Sonic, the character, cool, yeah, and not the carnival, the environment, fun. Yeah. It's like if carnival, if Sonic himself was the ringmaster. Yeah, it does. It's it, you're, you're right. It's like a Sonic-fied carnival sound. Um, yeah. But so again, like I feel, I really feel like, again, just like in the past two games, the music was was composed really specifically for the the ambience and the the and the, the level design. And how everything is designed and looks in mind. So it just—it's all—it's a very cohesive package. Um, the one thing that got me confused, though, is that when I listened to this earlier today, because I really—it really was that quick. Like, wait a minute, I gotta switch my track for this. <laughs> um, it sounded like how did it get from this to what ended up in Sonic Origins? Like, I know they were saying they were remastering it and stuff, but I feel weird about it. I mean, I'm sure there's a technical reason. Or some actual logistical reason for it. But the one in Sonic Origins, I've listened to it originally. I did not like that sound at all. But it's still at the core of the same track. It's just missing elements. Well, I mean, so I've been thinking, like, well, maybe... So I've been thinking, like, the tracks that were flipped around, because they finally have, you know, this is a kind of an admission that Michael Jackson worked on the game in some capacity or in some some uh, collaboration. No, they did it. Him and his sound team made those tracks. Right. So that means that maybe the tracks that were... So without the, so that means that they're also saying that the tracks that were replaced in the game, that those tracks specifically um, that he had a hand in. Him and his team yes. had a hand in. So that means, so what happened so that, means was, that means that this track that we're listening to now is probably Michael Jackson and Brad Buxer. No, 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 no. What happened was... So you're close though. So what happened was... <laughs> Where did I get it wrong? Where's my math going wrong? So Michael Jackson came in 
after the fact. Like, they had already been working on the music and everything. So you had a bunch of Sonic the Hedgehog tracks for the game. Michael Jackson came in. He had an interest in Sonic. Because at the time, if you remember back then, he had all kinds of Sonic memorabilia and Sonic merch, Sega merchandise in his house. And of course, there was always a relationship like Michael Jackson's Moonwalker and all that. Um, but he came on and he pretty much said he wanted to do music for this game. So him and his sound team composed music that replaced music that was already in the game. The reason why it's called a prototype track is because it was the original before Michael Jackson's tracks replaced them. And from what I recall, there was a version that I never bought of Sonic and Knuckles that released on the PC that had these tracks potentially in it. So I kind of want to find an old disc or like a YouTube video where someone recorded themselves playing it. But to my knowledge and understanding from what I've been reading and stuff, that version didn't have the Michael Jackson tracks either. This this track is so like, it seems so finished. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like a full like, game song, you know? Um, yeah, which yeah. wouldn't that make sense then? Like yeah. the track was done, but it was, it was like, hey, we have one, but we could have two if we just put this one on instead, you know? Yeah. And think about it. If the whole thing with him having his scandals didn't happen, just how much oomph that game release would have had. Like we got tracks by Michael Jackson in this thing. Oh, it, it would, would have been have, a marketing explosion. It would have been it would have been all all over. But yeah, unfortunately, we all know the truth, and it's not great. <laughs> but. There's, there was already the Ninja Turtles coming out of our shells tour. You would have had the Michael Jackson Gotta Go Fast tour. That would be... That, I like that. You gotta go fast to um, to the Spectrum in Philadelphia to see <laughs> to see yeah. Michael Jackson perform with Sonic the Hedgehog. That would be amazing. And um, you gotta know it. It would have totally happened if, you know, he didn't have a sordid history and be, yeah. you know, stuff... You know, I'm not going on that horrible road. No, um, no, no. But um, so I I have three tracks picked for this one. It's hard for me to choose. I am going to choose Sky Sanctuary. We're going to listen to Sky Sanctuary. From no, I, no. I was about to say I got to feel. I feel like I did choose that one before. That's familiar. Uh, oh, is it? Uh oh. Anyway, Sky Sanctuary from Sonic Three and Knuckles for the Sega Genesis. I'm playing it now. Can't take it back. <laughs>
this harmonization right here. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I'm trying to remember. You can bring it up on the show, too, if you remember. Oh, well. All right, we're, we're but, rolling. Um, <laughs> oh, crap. All that dirty talking. Ah. Um, no. So, Sky Sanctuary. Wow, that was too much for the end. That was... Broke. <laughs> the um, Sky Sanctuary level, that wasn't in Sonic 3 unless you had the lock-on tech running, right? Oh... I don't remember. I remember the stage. I, that's the thing. I remember the stage. But all I ever had was just the little, the little Sonic and Knuckles cartridge. So, so it must have been solely in Sonic and Knuckles then, because Sonic Three, it was Ice Cat, and then the launch base zone, and that was the game. Aside from maybe like a Death Egg zone, I'm forgetting about. Um, but and there was a Death Egg zone after uh, launch base, but not Sky Sanctuary. But I do know that if you had the lock on tech, there was a level that linked the two games. Mm -hmm. Um, and it may well have been that. See, now I'm gonna have to go looking through some random crap. This is what happens when you're on the internet. I was trying. And I, you're looking. I was trying to do like a quick little look here, but unfortunately, a lot of it is like the the, the lore of the game. And I'm like, come on, man, just <laughs> just tell me. Sky Sanctuary Zone is the sixth zone of Sonic and Knuckles. The twelfth zone of Sonic the Hedgehog three and Knuckles. There we go. So it's only in Sonic and Knuckles then. Okay. Yeah, and if you locked it on with it. So if, so if you never had that, then this is a stage that, that I played and you didn't. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Because I only played Sonic and Knuckles through the Sega channel. And I didn't finish it because the game was really long. Yes. And I didn't feel like it. Well, that's the thing. The um, So Sonic, the, one of the differences with Sonic 3 from the previous games is that you had a save feature. Um, Sonic and Knuckles did not have that save feature, but Sonic 3 did. Um, some other really cool things they added to the series, like they just kept, like, unlike other, like, Mega Man games that, that got rid of, like, his slide, you know, this game, they kept the spin dash, which was like, you know, not like the slide, but it was a fun mechanic that you wanted to keep. Um, yeah, can you imagine people going, pure Sonic doesn't need a spin dash? Exactly. It was always awesome once they added it. So they kept that in there. They added um, different shields. So in the in Sonic 2, you had like a shield that kind of gave you like an extra little um, like hit point of damage. In this one, you had different shields that were like electric that would um, give you a double jump. And it could uh, like kind of magnify rings towards you. You had a fire shield that you could like you press jump in the air again and he kind of shoots forward which is helpful and not helpful at the same time there was a bubble shield so that you could breathe underwater better and you also bounce that was on the my ground. favorite shield that, along with the lightning that, the lightning the lightning one was so helpful because why wouldn't you want to double jump in this game it's so useful well with the double jump plus it pulled rings to you but yeah. the downside to it just like the fire shields if you entered the water they'd burn off Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the um, oh, what happened? I was playing, and yeah, the bubble one. I ran the bubble one. I ran into a spike, and it just popped this popped the bubble, and I was like, "Oh, that's great! I, I, everything's really thematic in this game." Um, this music sounds like more classic style, like Sonic music to me. Um, a little less on the funky side. It's got more of this uh, like military style drums kind of in the background. I'm kind of sad they got rid of most of those shields though throughout the franchise. Like after Sonic and Knuckles, they did have. A few elements. I feel like I recall seeing like the occasional like shield that reminisces of the lightning shield in future some of the future games. But the fire shield never came back. The bubble shield definitely never came back. Um, it was just the old basic shield from Sonic One and Two, along with the occasional one that could draw in rings. <laughs> so then you know, 
so the, the, so Sonic 3, we still had um, bonus stages. So if you if you were to collect a certain amount of rings around each checkpoint, little stars would fly above it, and you can jump in, and you got like kind of a version of the original like Sonic bonus stage with the stage kind of spinning around. Um, there was another one which I saw today, which I couldn't figure out, where you're like kind of in these little these little gravity spheres, and you're jumping from gravity sphere to gravity sphere. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then if you find the giant rings, you would jump into the giant ring, and it was like a giant three-dimensional like sphere that you're running around trying to collect blue dots without running into red dots. And it would just yeah. speed up and speed up and speed up and speed up and speed up until you either got them all or you failed. Um, and then at the end of each one of those stages, if you completed it, you receive the Chaos Emerald. You collect seven of those. And again, you get supersonic. Now, I didn't know this until I was reading about it today. Did you know about the Super Emeralds? Yes, but you can only get those if you had the Link cartridges because you basically get the seven Emeralds in Sonic 3 and the seven Emeralds in uh, the Sonic and Knuckles half. Mm -hmm. And then that would allow you to become uh, hypersonic, hyper knuckle, uh, hypersonic, hyper tails, and something knuckles. Like they had like knuckles. One of them had a unique name. Oh, to Oh really? Them, so. I thought it was just hyper hyper knuckles. That's what I read. And maybe it was different, like from Japan to America. But I never knew about like, that. Because like supposedly the Sonic version had like he was like white, and he had like flickies flying around him or something. Um, but it was like hypersonic, hyper tails, and hyper knuckles. Yeah, and he was pretty much all of them are pretty much overpowered in the game. Um, so now in the, now in Sonic Three, you could play as Sonic primary character. You could play as Tails as a primary character, or you can play as Knuckles as the primary character. Tails had like kind of a floaty jump where he, she can kind of fly around. Knuckles can climb on the walls. Um, because first time I played yeah. it as first time I played Sonic Three, I immediately went with Tails exclusively because it was the first game. Where you could control tails, mm -hmm. solely control yeah, tails. Yeah, yeah. Call it the main character. Um, and, but you could also use his flight to get around and explore the environments and stuff. The downside, of course, was that tails was slower both in flight and on the ground, so your times weren't as good. Um, but it was just fun to be able to say, "I don't like this, but I'm going to fly over it," or "I'm going to see if I can fly up and see if there's anything up in this area of the level." So it was good for exploration. It was, I was so excited about the um, about Knuckles being able to climb on the walls because that felt like that kind of broke the game a little bit. And because, it did on the Sonic too. Yeah, and so because the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge could add, you can add cartridges on top of it. It meant that you could play as Knuckles in the original Sonic the Hedgehog and the original Sonic the Hedgehog too. So you can go back and play those original stages as Knuckles and climb on the walls and see what was hidden and, and how far up the stage goes. And that, I had a lot of fun just just playing around with those games. Yeah, you know, it's less about beating it and more about just exploring it and just seeing how, what you could do in it. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, like it's it's an interesting thing. Like I have these mental dialogues in my head. This might be something I should have saved to the end of the episode, but I don't. And we're, we're this is organic conversation, baby. We're flowing. Um, the sentiment where people are like, "What do you prefer, like classic Mario or classic Sonic?" And in some respects, it's almost an unfair thing because. Even though they were designed to be direct competitors with each other, I feel like their games are also extremely different. Mm. So, to me, the big thing that Sonic was lacking at the time compared to Mario was the power-up system. Now, you might say, well, Pernod, what about the elemental shields? Well, yeah, that was the step in the direction that I was hoping for for Sonic, but they were not Mario's power-ups. Like, I love the whole get a box, get a firefly. Now I'm Fire Mario. Now I'm Raccoon Mario. 
you know. But with that said, the the sense of exploration that you got in Sonic, Mario could not touch that. Even though there was exploration in some of the Mario games, finding like secret exits and stuff, you didn't really get the full depth of that until World came out. Prior to that, the closest you had was Mario Three, and exploring those levels. You didn't find nearly the cool level of secrets you found in Sonic, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there was occasional things like finding a vine and stuff, yeah, but just the breadth of exploration. So I felt like, though I preferred playing Mario games because of the power-ups mechanic and using those, I loved the big world exploration that you got out of Sonic. Just like looking around trying to find the giant ring exits and getting all the Chaos Emeralds because that was a thing that carried over across all the levels, something Mario didn't really have. Mario, you had power-ups you could get from the Toad Houses, but they didn't, it was just like a thing. Sonic's Chaos Emeralds linked every stage together. Yeah. Now, there, there was some, like, in, in Super Mario World on the SNES, there, were, there was a lot of, like, hidden stuff in that game, though, wasn't there? Like, like, a lot of exploration and hidden stages and worlds. Yeah, but what I'm thinking about is, like, I find it, like, it's, it's a weird dynamic to compare at this point, but I always do it, which is that... The Genesis was the first system that came out before the Super Nintendo. It was the first 16-bit, well, I guess the second. No, it was the first, because TurboGrafx was like a pseudo-16-bit system. So, Genesis was the first 16-bit system to hit the market. EB's gonna be like, Perno, you're full of crap! And I accept that, EB. I love you, buddy. Um, so it came out, Sonic 1 came out before the Super Nintendo came out in America, right? So we had Sonic comparing it to like Mario 3 at the time. Because Mario 3 came out in 1990. Um, and Sonic at the time wasn't the Sonic I came to really love, as we talked about earlier in the episode. Mario's World can technically be compared to Sonic 3, and it should be. But for me in my head, I always have this mental argument about what I preferred between Mario 3 and Mario World. And since I always have the love about the power-ups and everything, I always end up doubling back to 3 over World. It's just a bad habit I've got. Now, if I didn't do that, I would have made the connection to say, well, Mario World is a whole world. So, of course, so they're linked. you have a, a closer personal connection to 3, Mario 3, yes. than to, to Mario World. That makes a yes. lot of sense. But yeah, because I, I feel like I have that, too, just because I didn't grow up with a Super Nintendo. So, I never really got a chance to, to play more of Mario World and to, to really explore it outside of, like, playing it at a friend's house as Luigi or, or something like that. But, um, but to me... Um, Sonic 3 felt like the later era Sega Genesis game. Like now the Sega Genesis was discontinued in 97. So there was still like another 3 years after this game was released um uh, of of games on the Genesis being being you know coming out. But this was like when the car, the, the the game boxes that had that little red side, you know. Um mm-hmm. so I feel like that was like the later era of of the later generation of the Sega Genesis. Like the even clearly like the 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 graphics and the music of Sonic 3 are so much more advanced than previous games. Like that's like one of the developers have gotten really really good at taking advantage of the hardware on the system. And I think it was like it wasn't it wasn't until the very very end that they started adding on like the 32X to like add more power to it without getting a new system and they only had so many games for that and then they had the Virtua series games and they had like the Virtua like chip that was included on some of the cartridges and they were just it was just they were trying everything they could to keep the genesis going but ultimately it just had to go away and we had to lose our baby the mega drive that's one thing i kind of i gotta say 
it makes me wonder sometimes. It feels nice to do this show when we talk about the stuff, less about the research element and more just about the vibe of nostalgia. We talk about it yeah. because it feels feels more pure. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, like, I like digging into the psyche of like what you experience, what you remember the best you can. Like this is what it was like at the time, and this is what it was like when I played it. Mm. Like you could have been playing Mario World. Last year, you could have totally slipped in like the fakeness of like, oh yeah, oh I played Mario World. This is this is how it works. But you didn't play it in '91. But you outright acknowledge it's like I didn't play it back. Well, this then. is this is you're right. This is one of the well, microphone. This is one of the rare times that you and I have like a shared nostalgia for something from this era because like I played these a lot and and I grew yeah. up like Sega. I've always been I've always grown up with Sega, the Sega games and the consoles. Aside from the Saturn, why do But like, I'm uh, down with Sega Genesis, man. But you past just bring that, it up. like, you know, you've played these games, and I'm like, I wasn't playing that. Nope, never gotten that. <laughs> or I just don't remember <laughs> at all. Um, anyway, we should get into the bonus round because we do have a bonus round of the show. Gotta have a bonus round. Do 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 do. Bonus round. Gotta speak key. All right, the bonus round <laughs> is where we play covers and remixes, arrangements, and other odds and ends that we find related to the topic. So, Pranav, what do you have? All right, so I did end up finding a cover, but it is from Sonic and Knuckles, so I kind of ran the trifecta, the quadrectra. I made that word up. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so this is a cover of the Doomsday Zone from the game Sonic and Knuckles. This is covered by a person I believe I brought on the show a little ways back before called Richard E.B.,
Welcome back. You are listening to the Doomsday Zone metal cover from the game Sonic and Knuckles, done by Richard E.B. So, Doomsday Zone was a level I clearly have never experienced because I already mentioned earlier I never even beat Sonic and Knuckles, let alone with the Chaos Emeralds in tow. Um, but this was probably the first of what became a series staple where... By having all seven Chaos Emeralds in the game, not only did you just traditionally unlock Supersonic, but you also unlocked a bonus finale sequence for the game itself. Because something would always happen that would result in like near global devastation, mm-hmm. resulting in the need for the Chaos Emeralds to transform Sonic or Shadow mm-hmm. or Kick. Cream the rabbit, whatever, whoever's changing for this game, but they would result in typically a supersonic um, to become a character who shows up. And in the case of Sonic and like, was it the Secret Rings? It was the Seven Rings, and he became Dark Spine Sonic, whatever. But even though they didn't have supersonic, they like, we got to keep the tradition going. But again, it just resulted in like a new transformation of Sonic or the supersonic transformation and a final boss battle that he had to fight as Supersonic, and they usually changed the mechanics a bit to accommodate that, usually involving him maintaining his rings and dashing into Robotnik or whatever giant evil forces existed in the game at the time, um, like the Bio-Lizard or Chaos or whatever. Um, but in this particular game, it was you chasing Dr. Robotnik to retrieve the Master Emerald that he stole, essentially. Uh and I would like to see this someday, but I've been thinking about it. Like, would I want to sit down and play through all Sonic 3 and Knuckles, or do I want to knock out Kid Chameleon again first? Both of which are going to take me like two to four friggin' hours to play through. <laughs> and I feel like right now I'm still kind of in the mindset, like, I want to do Kid Chameleon, and then I'll come back to that. Now, I'd you, like to do it someday. Are you going to play on an emulator with save states, or are you just going to go kick it old school? It depends, because I want to, rec- whatever I do, I'm going to record it. So. Whatever is the easiest thing for me to hook up to my, you know, SB60 plus laptop. If it ends up being an emulator, so be it. But if I do use an emulator, I won't have, I won't use a save state for this game. It's Sonic. I can just blast through stages. And you get so many extra lives anyway. How am I going to, I'm not going to run out. Well, I mean, not necessarily using save states to make the game easier, but using save states to maybe, you know, finish the game another day. Oh, good idea. And I could potentially do that. And if I did video recordings, I could just like, Part one and then part two and just like mesh them together. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like you know what, this game's so long, I'm not going to finish it today, or or I'm going to go grab dinner. And, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, I th- I think that that's a that's a quality of life, <laughs> you know, hack that you're you can here give to yourself. So um, I picked music from I picked the the remastered and uh, rearranged music for Sonic Origins. So music that was removed from the game and then um, maybe some prototype music that was taken from the original game that was then remastered again by Jun Sanoe. So I'm going to pick uh, Act 2 from Launch Base Zone from Sonic Origins. So this is Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Launch Base Zone Act 2, but this is the rearranged, remastered prototype version by Jun Sanoe.
Sonic Origins, or from Sonic and Knuckles 3, but arranged for Sonic Origins by Jensen Oe, original composer. Could be in any number of one of these people, <laughs> one of the people I listed earlier on the show. Um, but yeah, this this to me this 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 track sounds like classic Sonic One and Sonic Two music. Something about it, um, the sounds that they're using on, on, on the same hardware or the same same sound idea here. It's just it sounds like classic classic Sonic. It sounds a little less like Sonic Three to me. Actually, I, I was about to make a comment about this. I'm you know, glad you brought it up. So. One thing that came to mind for me when I started hearing these prototype tracks initially was I was able to put some dots together and it made a little more sense of some other tracks that people rarely bring up on this game. And that being the music composed specifically for the verses for the game. Sonic 3, unlike Sonic 2, had levels unique to the verses mode. They were very small snippets of stage that lapped. So it was like, okay, three laps around, you know, Azure Lake zone, you know, and that oh, level had its right. own theme. I they had laps. Like in, in Sonic 2, the race was just one to start to finish. Yeah, just run the stage. Yeah. But in this game, it was like you're actually lapping a course. So you and you could actually out, you could run past the person if you were running faster than them, which was extra damage to the, yeah. you know, pain, that, extra pain if you were actually just whipping somebody. So the mental uh, damage, yeah. As that might be something we could play at the end of the episode, one of those tracks. But like, uh, yeah. I used to love Balloon Park, which I think I picked on the show a ways back. But then there's Azure Lake, there was Chrome Gadget, and there was like a desert level whose name I'm not remembering right now. Um, maybe the Desert Palace, but it was... I used to play that mode ad nauseum against my brother, and I would decimate him in that game. That was where I could win, and I loved racing. But yeah, the music... That you're playing here sounds very much like the music on those levels. And when I started hearing, I was like, wait a minute. Now I'm seeing, I'm seeing a connection here. Maybe that's the same composer that did those, which is also probably why it sounds so different from the rest of the Sonic game, because the tracks that were similar were taken out for the Michael Jackson stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's all, it's all coming together a little bit, but we still can't put names to sounds and tracks. It's just... It's all oh, we could, but we're guys. having too much fun right now. We're not going through Well, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com where we'll have links to the artists, in this case, just Richard E.B., <laughs> his, uh, his SoundCloud, Bandcamp, YouTube, everywhere you can go, get the music, stream the music, and, and support the artists. Joining us on episode 33-5, Act 1 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our Sonic Origins episode. This is good, good music. If you're going to have an episode themed around any Sonic game, that's something you can bank on is good music to come along with for the ride. I agree. So. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's this era of Sonic music that I connect with. Um, and I, I just don't connect with the new stuff. I like the new stuff. I just I don't have that same nostalgia hit or that same feeling around it and i love the sound of this music so so much so so much the sound of it and the way it's arranged and composed to me it's perfect this is this to me is sonic the hedgehog oh yeah like i get down with all of it every drop of every drop of drink like it's a fun time like every drop of blood from that blue hedgehog (laughs) 
That's right. Why do you think I run so fast? Um, <laughs> but no. Oh, that's right. That's how I get the runs. I got it backwards. Oh, that's yeah. bad. Um, but no, it's a. Uh, I like old Sonic and new Sonic. That's why, like, when Generations was a thing, and people were like choosing halves, I'm like, I'm why? I'm happy with the whole package. Sega should just keep releasing this over and over again, just with new levels, and I'd be a fan for life. Just give me modern and classic Sonic and narratives that don't make any sense, <laughs> running on stages that are modeled to be slightly different from each other, on a 2D and 3D plane. Also with music reflective of their generations, and I'm in. Good, but you know, yeah. people. Sega not knowing how to stick with a product that works. Well, I mean, the fan base spans generations as well. You know, for me, my gen, my gener, talking about my generation, my Sonic generations. Um, like this Sonic is free, but like generation. there's a whole generation of people who are younger than us who who grew up with adventure, and people younger than us further who grew up with I don't know. I don't know what the later ones are called. Sonic, well, it's not even so Sonic much Heroes that, because like, yeah, because that's the thing. Sonic, the whole point of Sonic Generations was to essentially mesh both of those fan bases into one game, and mostly it was successful. Like, I have not met a person who disliked Generations across the board. I'm sure they're out there. Probably people who don't like that the, the whole silly Sonic narrative bit. But yeah, I love the game. The problem was. It was like, okay, people were like, this is a great Sonic game. Give us more of this, Sega. And they're like, okay, here's Sonic Lost World. And people were like, we didn't ask for this. Yeah, more of that. And while well, I'm okay 3D. with Sonic yeah. Lost World, it was a whole 3D Sonic again. I'm like, well, I was okay with Lost World. It was not Generations at all. And then they were like, well, here's a trailer that shows classic Sonic again. We're going to come back. You like Generations? Here it is again. We were all excited. I was like, nah, this is actually Sonic Forces. And it's not what you wanted, but you can create your own Sonic Universe character with a grappling hook. Yeah, and now we've got put your OC Sonic, in the game. <laughs> put your OC in the game. And now we've got Sonic Frontiers, which led to a fair bit of hope when the trailer came out. And then people started posting videos they were able to play at conferences. And now you got cast being like, oh God, what are we about to get? And then when the word came out that people weren't liking what they were seeing in the trailers, uh, one of the developers came on and said that people just don't understand what they're trying to lay down, but it'll make more sense when the product is complete. And then, like, a couple weeks after I saw that, mm -hmm. I watched a guy playing the game during one of his, um, like, you know, his, like, sit-down allowances to play the game, and he was describing, he's like, this game is terrible. Like, he was just, like, <laughs> railing on it. And I'm like... Oh god, that's some oof right there. Yeah. And they're still planning to release the game this year, so who knows? But every single time this happens and the Sonic cycle rears its head again, I just find myself thinking, Sonic Generations worked. Just do that again. And then you got Sonic Mania in there too, which definitely worked. People lost their stuff over Sonic Mania and still talk about yeah, it. A fan it's like a game that became an official game. You know, it's it was perfect. <clears throat> It was perfect. Like, you take Generations or Mania and make games all around that, and they would make money. There would be no controversy. Though I get they want to innovate, and innovation's good. You also know when people want to actually buy and play, too. Just give a little bit of both. I don't know. Do something, though. Give a but, little bit of Sonic to your fans. 
There's a lot of they, there's, again. There's just, there's just a lot of generations of fans, and they're all expecting something maybe a little bit different. And but uh, I can promise you this: none of them are expecting frontiers. <laughs> Is it a turn-based strategy game? Then I'm not. No, they've it. already done that though. Well, they they've already it? done that. Oh, I'm just joking. Yeah. They've already. The Dark Brotherhood. I have it over there for the DS. The Dark Brotherhood. Yeah, I Sonic the Hedgehog. I might have the name slightly wrong. I can always get the case and confirm, but it was like Sonic the Hedgehog and the Dark Sonic and the versus the Dark Brotherhood or something. That's, this is why I stopped playing Sonic games. I'm telling you, man. Like, this is like this cute little colorful world, and you're saving animals, and it's environmental friendly. And now it's like Sonic in the Dark World, Shadow the Hedgehog. He's got like a gun. Like, I don't get any of this. In a motorcycle. In a motorcycle. It's just, I, I don't know. Because he's not, clearly he's not fast enough to run. He needs to drive, too. It doesn't, I'm not connecting with it. I never did, and I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> so, and it's, now there's so much content, there's no way I'm ever going to, like, catch up and play those other games. You so. know, I just play specific ones that are recommended. Like, I'd recommend Sonic Advance 3. Uh, Which is a Or maybe Sonic Advance 1. Yeah. Yeah, they're side-scrollers. Yeah. Sonic Advance games are great. Sonic Rush One. Oh man, that, that, yeah, that'll be a whole episode of the advanced advanced games of uh, Sonic. Um, oh yeah. But anyway, if you would like to write in and tell us your favorite Sonic game, the best way to do that is over email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. You like that segue? That was a good segue. Oh, I love a good segue. Um, powerful, <laughs> powerful segue. Um, and for a full track listing from this episode, from all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes, go to the website www.rhythmandpixels.com and we also there's no subdomain there too you can just type in rhythmandpixels.com but if you like but this, don't you dare be a purist but if you like it you can do it um yeah you gotta hit that W button a few times and then you get that feels good the worldwide um, Wiley web at the top of the webpage there's a link to our discord server you can click that and join the discord join join the chat the discussion about the podcast about the music there's lots of cool people in there a lot of uh, other podcasters um also in the, in the in the discord there as well you can meet with them that's really cool we have a um a youtube station a youtube radio station that's 24 7 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels and if you want to support the show, uh, the best thing you can do is to tell people about it, share the show with your friends, or you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And as a member there of all levels, you get access to a monthly live stream of us recording the show uh, once a month. And you also get cool stuff like there's uh, prequel episodes, there's uh, exclusive content, there's stickers and mugs and t-shirts, all this cool stuff that you can get right there on our Patreon. And at the end of every episode... Excuse me. At the end of every episode, we'd like to thank all of our Patreon members who are at the highest levels. Um, so we want to first thank Brooke and, frankly, Zappa, both of you. Thank you so, so much for supporting our show. Um, it, it means so, so much to us. Uh, seeing your names uh, drives us to just keep making more and producing better, better shows for you guys. So thank you very much. And the rest of you. you That's <laughs> nah, not true. Everybody. Not true. We love you all. All of you, all of you. So we want to thank uh, the number one, just the number one. Number one. Uh, Kristen, GameFan44, thank you. Mike Myers, thanks again. Thank you very, very much. Uh, the Turianator, Ulf Person, Fashion8060, Alex Messenger from AVGM Journey, another great video game music podcast. Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, 
Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, which we're going to have back on the show fairly soon. Uh, Chris Steenerson, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Did get you, well soon, friend. Yeah, get well soon, uh, Chris. Did you did you call him uh, wise guy when you saw him? Absolutely. That's To me, that's his name on and off the podcast. He is now the wise guy. I love that. Um, thank you, Christopher Senstrom, Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Enchilada Rigol, Harold Howard, Triple Jeff, uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, another fantastic video game music podcast. Uh, Keith Shusterman, Martyrus, host of the ReVGM podcast, a podcast devoted to only covers and remixes and arrangements of VGM. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Michael Bridgewater, uh, who's got an amazing new um, demo scene track for the, the Commodore 64 out. Uh, check, oh. him, uh, check him out on Twitch, uh, mebree 64 uh, I want to thank Rage Cage, host of the VG Emporium podcast. I want to thank Reinhard Selkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy, and Zach Thornbach. Thank you all very, very much for your continued support of our show. Um, all we of the money appreciate goes into, uh, you know, essentially keeping the lights on, keeping the, the files hosted, uh, new equipment, um, us traveling to conventions to meet people in person and to present the show in person, and to, you know, just, just all of the work that goes into the show. There's, there's a lot of work that we put into it. So thank you very, very much. Well, like, I got, man, I don't know what I was about to say there. Just the idea, like, how many episodes we've done. We've yeah. Done this, I believe this is episode official, like numbered episode 327. It's <laughs> wild, right? That's like, a lot. Yeah, that doesn't count the bonus round episodes and any other little offshoot episodes that we've done. Let's count the. We've been doing the Rhythm and Pixels show. for a. We've been doing Rhythm and Pixels for a fifth of my life. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been about seven years. This is our seventh year. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been one week. It's been seven years since we did this show. So yeah, doing and doing a weekly, doing a weekly show is, is a lot of work. So, um, but you know, we love it, and we'll just and even if we didn't have the support of the Patreon members, we would continue to do it. Um, we would be doing it with tin cans and an old, you know, Toshiba laptop from like 1999. We would still be doing it. A ukulele made out of a soup box. It's rubber bands. Yeah, we couldn't play back any music, so Purnell had to learn how to play the ukulele. So he could, like... <laughs> I think I remember God. how the song went. <laughs> that was that song. <laughs> well, that um, could either be... Yeah. That's either the Sky Sanctuary Zone or the Mario <laughs> Brothers theme. It's all noise. We can't tell. Um... So we may have a, a guest next week. I'm not sure if uh, if, if Purnell's going to be up for it, or if um, or if our guest is going to be up for it. But it's going to be fun, cool. and, and maybe we'll do another uh, Sonic topic uh, soon. If not next week, then another time soon. So thank you everybody for listening. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Purnell. Have a great week. And remember, <laughs> I'm usurping this one specifically because I want to push the Summer Games Challenge again. It's underway. I've officially beaten my second game. I am on fire. This is one of the, the first time I beat that game. I'm, I'll mention it later, obviously, because I want to bring it up at the end of the summer. But uh, yeah, I beat my first, my second game, and I'm moving on to the third. And I want to say I partly started out with one game being Feta, the, the Emblem of Justice. But after the Deco announcement that Rob told me about, I booted up Ape Escape 3. Oh. 
And I was like, I just want to play around with this for a bit. And instead, I was like, this is still fun. I want to play more. I want to catch more monkeys. So I kind of played <laughs> way longer than I intended. So I may well be playing through that this summer, too. Because Ape Escape is still a lot of fun. Catch more monkeys. Monkeys. Yes. Uh, yeah, did that go? Oh, we should push it down. I'm going to plug that on our, on, on our Facebook and all that other stuff, too. Yes. Very, very good.